Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. We're going through a series we call Fixer Upper, talking about how do you make changes in your life that you need to make for the betterment of your life. And we said that so far, some of the things we've seen is you need to clarify the problem, you need to take it to God, make an honest evaluation of where you stand, gather the resources you need, and know that problems and challenges are going to come no matter how good your plan may be. Now, we've called this series Fixer Upper because kind of like that TV show, we're trying to fix some area uh, of our life up. And I was reading just recently, uh, this past week, Chip and Joanna Gaines were on their way to St. Jude Children's Hospital. It's a charity that they, uh, that they help promote. And on the way there, they were going to do a Facebook post about St. Jude trying to get people to give some money and everything. And when they went online to post, they noticed all of these people were commenting on how much they hated Chip Gaines's hair. His hair's grown really long, and everybody was saying, we hate his hair, we wish he'd get it cut, and on and on. So what they posted uh, on social media was, I tell you what, we're going to be three days at St. Jude Hospital. The last time we raised money for them, we raised $250,000. If we raise more than that in just the three days, then Chip will shave all of his hair and go completely bald. Now, this was not something they were planning on doing. It was a spur-of-the-moment thing that came up on the way there. Before they left St. Jude Children's Hospital, 315 thousand dollars had been raised and here's a picture of chip gains before and after uh, that you see right there and then here's a picture of him with uh, some of the kids at st jude uh, children's hospital as well so that was something unexpected it was a distraction it was something that hadn't been planned but then something you had to deal with when it came up and that's what we're going to be talking about today Last week, we talked about the fact that problems and troubles are going to come. But sometimes it's not a problem or a trouble. Sometimes it's an interruption to your plan. Sometimes it's a distraction. And what do you do when problems and distractions come? We're going to be over in the next chapter of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 5 today, if you want to turn over to that. Nehemiah chapter 5. Now, uh, as we get into Nehemiah chapter 5, it's going to seem a little bit different. Because up to this point, the first four chapters have been all about rebuilding the wall. And then suddenly you get to chapter 5, and on the surface, it seems to have absolutely nothing to do with the rebuilding of the wall. And yet it does, because it has to do with the people who are rebuilding the wall. And if something isn't done with a problem there, it can totally stop the wall itself. So let's look into Nehemiah chapter 5. Look down to verses 1 through 5. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we are sons and our daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. And others were saying, we've had no money to borrow to pay the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. And although we are the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to submit our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, and we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. 
So here's Nehemiah. He's rebuilding the wall. They already have an outside problem. And the outside problem is they're being threatened uh, by the regional governors with an army that might come in and attack them at any moment. So half the people are working, half are standing guard. And so there's already a tense situation when suddenly an inside problem comes up. Uh, something that can distract from the rebuilding of the wall altogether. And the problem is this. It's basically twofold. The people are complaining about two things. One, they're complaining about the fact that they have very heavy taxes put upon them, but not just taxes. There's been a famine in the land, and they don't even have food to feed their families. And they're running out of money because most of their time spent rebuilding the wall. And so without food, without money, they're having to go to loan sharks. And the loan sharks are, are charging them inexorable rates, really high rates. And not only that, they're enslaving their children as collateral. And so those are the two things, really high interest rates just to buy food and then enslaving their children as collateral. And the people come to Nehemiah and they say, this isn't right. Something has to be done. So here's Nehemiah now. This distraction, this interruption has come, and it's a pretty great distraction. Because if the people aren't fed and if the people become discouraged, the work on the wall can stop altogether. And so Nehemiah has to decide, what do I do about this interruption that's come in the rebuilding of the wall? As you go through trying to reform an area of your life, trying to better some area of your life, trying to get closer to God, there will not only be problems that come up, there will be interruptions. There will be times that things will happen to you in life and you have to make a decision. Do I pursue this and stop the other? Is this important enough to go on? But there will always be interruptions. And so you have to begin to make those decisions. What am I going to do? How am I going to make this decision? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my effort? And that's where Nehemiah is at this point. This problem has come up. It's a big problem. Could totally stop the rebuilding of the wall. What is he going to do about it? Now, sometimes problems will come to you in life that are completely out of your control. There'll be challenges and interruptions that'll come. It might be a health issue. It might be a financial issue that you didn't expect. Uh, uh, you know, right when everything's good and you're finally getting by, the car breaks down. And, and, uh, and you think, oh, no, now what am I going to do, you know, uh, uh, with, the, with the going on here? And so there'll be relationship issues, health concerns, things that will hit you hard and can stop you from carrying out your plan. And you have to decide, is this worth pursuing at this particular time? Read an interesting story this week. It's kind of like some I've told before. In Minnesota, there had been a carjacking, and the police were pursuing the car uh, that had been carjacked. They had a roadblock set up ahead. When re the, one of the vehicles behind, one of the police officers saw that an object was thrown out of the car they were pursuing, and it looked like it was a dog. And they had no idea what was going on. Well, the, they, uh, the car rounds the corner, the roadblock's there. Uh, they get the guy, and then the officers have to decide, what do we do? Are we back up to the people at the roadblock? But they made a decision that something was important. They turned around, and they went back to see what had been thrown out of the car. And it was indeed a dog. Got a picture of the dog right there. There's the picture of the dog when it had been thrown out, broke a couple of legs, uh, injured some ribs. You can see it's all beat up there uh, and the officers took the dog back uh, they took it to a vet they begin to nurse it back and as you've heard some of these stories before it is now the official mascot of the Ramsey County Police in uh, Minnesota right now and so the dog has a new home uh, with the police there that was not part of the original plan 
That was not something that they were looking to do. They were in pursuit of another vehicle that had been carjacked, and yet something happened that caused them to have to react. And there will come times in your life that things will happen and you have to react. And that brings us to the second thing that we see. When these interruptions and distractions come, you have to make a decision on whether or not it's worth your attention. Is this worth my attention? Now, a lot of things are going to come up in life that are not going to be worth your attention. As a matter of fact, I was reading a recent thing that said when people interrupt you at work or when you're doing something at work, let's say you're writing a paper or you're in the middle of a project and you stop and you check your email, you send a text, you talk to somebody in the office, it takes 23 minutes to refocus yourself from where you were originally. Every time you do any kind of interruption, even checking your email, it takes you another 23 minutes to get back to the level of work you were at before. So then it becomes important, is this distraction worth me taking time to look at it and to deal with it and to, and to be derailed uh, from my original plan and what I'm doing? Well, Nehemiah has to make those decisions in verses 6 and 7. And let's see what happens there. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind, and then I accused the nobles and the officials, and I told them, you're charging your people interest. So I called together a large group to deal with them. So Nehemiah has to decide, okay, the, the people are, are running out of food. They're, 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 the loan sharks are charging them at exorbitant rates. Some of their children are being sold into slavery. Is this worth my attention? His original reaction was he got very angry. For good reason, he got very angry. And there will come times when problems come to you and interruptions happen. You may think it needs your attention. You're working on something, and you hear that little ding. Oh, man, I've got an email. I need to stop what I'm doing and go look at that email because my, my computer just dinged or something like that. So you have to immediately make a decision. So his first reaction is that he's angry at what's going on. The next thing he does, though, is really important. After the initial reaction, hey, I'm not happy with this, we're told the next thing he does is he ponders it. He ponders it. So he thinks about it deeply. Now, how many of you young folk ever heard the word ponder before? Anybody here ever pondered anything? Say, yeah, I'm pondering what in the world you're talking about right now. You know, have no idea what point you're making uh, as you're going through this. So he gets angry. He ponders it. In other words, he thinks deeply about it. Is this worth my time? Is this worth my attention? Is this worth the distraction of stopping building the wall and the emphasis of building the wall to take care of this? And he decides that it is. And so he holds a large meeting of all of the leaders and of all of the people. He gets everybody together to come and to look at this problem. And so he had to make this decision, is this worth my time? Is this worth my attention? And he decides that it is. So you have to decide every time you're interrupted, every time a distraction comes, is this worth my attention? Now, you might ask yourself, how do I make that decision? How do I decide whether or not something is worth my attention? Now, the, the secular way of doing that is, well, does it, does it distract from the, the work on hand? And so that would be one way of doing it. Well, you know, this is going to mess up what I'm doing right now, and so it's not worth it because I don't want to get distracted. But that's not the godly way of making the decision. 
The godly way of making the decision is what's going to best glorify God in this situation here? What's going to be the most loving thing I can do to an individual here? And so you have to make a decision not best on what's best going to complete my project, but what is best going to glorify God and show love to another person. I remember when uh, I lived in Owensboro, we only lived like five minutes from the church, and uh, we were, I was getting ready to get in my car to come on Sunday morning. Pretty big thing pastor going to church okay uh it would be like uh you know if you got up here and the pastor didn't have his his microphone you couldn't hear him or something you know you know it would be a distraction if the pastor didn't show up so i'm getting ready to get in my car and our next door neighbor walks over and says hi i say you know i'm real nice to him i said hi and i start getting in the car you know i'm doing something important here i don't have time to chit chat with you and he said my brother committed suicide last night and immediately I get out of the car, walk over, we sit down on his stoop and we start talking about it. After about 15 minutes, he says, don't you need to get to church? It's 11.05. And I said, no, I'm fine. You know, let's, let's keep talking. And we, we only talked for another 10, 15 minutes. I was there before time I was supposed to speak, but you had to make a decision. Is this worth stopping something important, stopping a plan, stopping something you're doing because it's going to help glorify God. It's going to be loving to another person. And so when these distractions and interruptions come, you have to make that decision. What's the most important thing I'm going to do? There's sometimes at church, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make a list every day of the, of the things I need to get done. And there's sometimes uh, at the end of the day, I'll look at that list and I've accomplished zero things I set out to do. Now, sometimes I accomplish zero things because I got looking for pictures uh, uh, for my sermon, and pretty soon I'm reading articles and I'm laughing and doing something. Oh, I didn't get anything done done today. Uh, but I look for pictures for you all, which is really Sometimes, though, I'll look at the end of the day and I didn't get anything done, but what I did was I talked to people who were hurting I was able to encourage some people. I was just able to pay attention to some people who needed a little attention paid, and it was all worth it. It was what I was supposed to be doing. So you always have to make those decisions. Is this worth it? Nehemiah was angry, he pondered it, and now he's caused a large, a law, a large meeting. The next thing that happens is this. If the distraction is worth your attention, then meet it head on and deal with it directly. If it's worth your attention, then do it. Okay, I'm going to be interrupted here. It's going to take distract me from what I was doing, but it's worth it. Then if it's worth it, you need to put everything you have into it. That's what Nehemiah does. Uh, look down uh, to uh, uh, verse 8. He says, As far as possible, we have brought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you were selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us, and they kept quiet because they had nothing to say. So in verse 8, he directly confronts the loan sharks in this big meeting. So all these people are there. It's not just a couple of people. All these people are there. And in the meeting, Nehemiah directly confronts the loan sharks and said, man, when I came back, one of the first things we tried to do was to buy back slaves, Jewish slaves from Gentiles so that God's people would be whole and free again. And now you're enslaving your own people. And he said they had nothing they could say back to this because they were clearly wrong. Verse 9, he said, so I continued, what you're doing isn't right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are lending the people money and grain. Let's stop charging interests. 
And so Nehemiah says, look, what are you doing? It's making a bad reputation in front of the Gentiles. Not only that, we're taking our own food and money and helping buy grain and support the people and you're charging them and enslaving them. How crazy is that? Nehemiah tells them. He goes on, verse 12. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. And I summoned the priests and the nobles and the officials, take an oath, do what you have promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, in this way may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who's not keep his promise. So may, so may such a person be shaken out and emptied. So the people were convicted, the loan sharks, and they said, okay, we're gonna pay everything back. And Nehemiah says, all right, you know, I believe you, but there's something called trust and verify. That's what I want to do. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the priests come down. And the priests are going to write out a contract in front of all the people. And then you're going to sign a contract in front of everybody here. And you're going to pledge that you're going to do what you're going to do. And they said, okay. And then it says he shakes out the, 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 his robe and says, may God shake you out if you don't do what you promised. Now, basically, in today's vernacular, what that might be is he empties his pockets and takes everything out of his pockets and say, may God empty your pockets and you be broke forever if you don't follow through with what you just said. And so Nehemiah has directly encountered what's going on here. He said the interruption was worth taking. It was worth it to help the people, to get the people back where they should be, to stop what was going on. And so he directly intervened, even though it wasn't comfortable for him to do with the wall being rebuilt. So the wall had to stop for this to be done. But after this was done, the wall can now be made in a better and stronger way. So you have to give it your full attention if you're gonna do it. If it's worth being interrupted, Give it your full attention. Adolfo Molina was driving home from the airport in Boston with his wife after coming home from a business trip when he saw a car on the other side of the road that was driving really slow and it just kept hitting the guardrail over and over again. He told his wife, something's going on here. Now, the only thing Adolfo wanted to do was go home. He'd been on a long business trip. He was tired. Something weird's going on with this car, though. He tells his wife to stop. He gets out of the car, runs across the interstate, opens the door of the car, stops the car. His wife calls uh, 911, and the person had had a stroke, and only by Adolfo's quick action was her life saved. And here's a picture uh, of some pictures that were taken by other people of him getting out of his car, running across the interstate to help the person that was there. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't what he was supposed to be doing. He's just going home. But something weird was going on. He thought someone was in need, and he made a decision. I need to stop the big plan and to be interrupted and to do something more important. I wonder how many people passed by that car and thought this. That's weird. Person must be drunk. They must be crazy. Look at them hitting that guardrail. Only one person decided it was worth the interruption to do something about it, and in doing so, he saved their life. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. Your main goal is to always glorify God, not complete your plan. Your main goal is to glorify God, not to complete your plan. Now, here's an interesting question for you. 
What was Nehemiah's main goal when he was back in Jerusalem? Now, the easy answer to that would be this. Nehemiah's main goal was to rebuild the wall. But that was not Nehemiah's main goal. Nehemiah's main goal was to glorify God and to restore the dignity of his people by rebuilding the wall. Rebuilding the wall was secondary to to glorifying God and redeeming the disgrace of his people. That's what he was doing. And the rebuilding of the wall was the way that he was doing that. Sometimes we think what we are doing is what is important instead of the big picture of why we're doing it. And so you always have to go back to why you're doing it. In verses 14 through 18, Nehemiah tells us how he was different than these loan sharks, and he looks at why he's doing what he's doing. Look down to verse 14. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, until his 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the early governors that preceded me placed a heavy burden on the people, took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their their assistants also lorded it over the people, but out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work of the wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. And so Nehemiah compares himself to the other governors and the loan sharks. He says, when the other governors of the land came in, they wanted to be treated like kings. They, they ate lavishly. They taxed the people heavily so that they could, they could have all of this great stuff. They acquired all this land and all of these possessions. And Nehemiah says, I did none of these things. I didn't charge the people for anything. Any food I had, anything I did, I paid for myself. And then he tells us why he did it. I did this out of reverence for God and devoted myself to rebuilding the wall. Notice what comes first and what comes second there. He said, I didn't because I wanted to rebuild the wall. No, he said, I didn't take anything because of my reverence for God, so I devoted myself to building the wall out of reverence for God. He's building the wall out of his reverence for God, not because uh, that's his whole purpose in being there. And so he says, look, I'm different. I'm not abusing the people. I'm not taking the people's money. I'm not getting rich off the people. Luckily, Nehemiah is just like politicians today. They never try to, uh, to uh, get, get ahead by, by abusing the people or anything like that. And so we're very lucky that we live in, in that kind of society uh, that we are. So I did a little Google search. Now, you all might think I'm getting none of my top 10, none of my list done, but I'm getting you good sermon illustrations. Okay. So I did a little Google search. Okay. Show me the, the congressman who made the most money in one year and then the senator, and I'm not going to use any names, not to offend anybody here. So this is what I found out. New congressmen and new senators in the last time. For a congressman... This congressman was a new congressman. He had a net worth of 150000 His first two years in Congress, when he, uh, after those first two years, his net worth was $635,000. So from one hundred and fifty to 635000 making 174000 a year. Don't know how all that adds up, but it does. 
but there was a U.S. senator in his first term that did a whole lot better. He came into the U.S. Senate making $3 million a year uh, six years ago. After those six years in the Senate, he was now worth $34 million, making $197,000 a year. He made $197,000 and ended up making $31 million in six years. So luckily, he's not not doing anything to get ahead uh, on the public dime or anything like that. So Nehemiah says, that's not what I was like. He said, I, I gave back out of my reverence for God. And then he just ends up in verses 17 through 19. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, some poultry were prepared for me. Every 10 days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all of this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were heavy on these people. So Nehemiah said, look, I had to pay for all these other people as well as myself to support the, the whole governorship here uh, in Jerusalem, but I still didn't charge the people anything because the people had too heavy a demand on them anyway. And then he just ends verse 19, Remember me with favor, my God, for all I've done for these people. So the point is this. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying to reform in your life, the purpose of it is going to always be to glorify God and to love and care for other people. And so don't let the plan get in the way of the purpose. The purpose, glorify God, love and care for other people. That always is going to come first, and that's the way you're going to say, is this worth being interrupted? Does it glorify God? Does it really uh, love and care for other people? Dylan Vertadazzo, Vertuadazzo, uh, missed his last two birthdays. He's six years old. He missed his last two birthdays because of COVID. Nobody could come to his birthday parties. And so now that he's turning seven, his parents decided we're going to throw him a really big birthday party and he said I don't know about that I don't think I want a birthday party and they said why don't you want a birthday party get all your friends here finally get all these presents and he said well at church they talked about uh, helping to supply bags for the homeless for homeless ministry he said what if I had people say we're going to give items Uh, for the homeless and instead of me getting presents they gave stuff we could use for the homeless ministry and so he went ahead and had his party but the presents were items you could give to the homeless ministry here's a here's a picture of dylan right here collected 50 homeless bags uh to pass out uh to people living on the street for his birthday party now the easy thing would have been it's my birthday give me a present Okay, uh, but Dylan said, no, I want to do the thing that gives God the most glory and loves and cares for other people. That's where we should all default to. Now, I just want you all to know, some of you got enough money, you can do both for me. You can, you can glorify God and you can give me present as well. You know that, but uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, but my birthday is May 14th, if you want to write, if you want to write that down. So what we've been talking about today, though, is when you're doing your plan, there's going to be interruptions that come. And the way you decide, is this interruption worth stopping the plan for a little while or adapting the plan, it comes down to what's going to best glorify God, what's going to be the most loving thing to do 
for another person. And when you answer that, you're probably going to be right in almost everything you do. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for Nehemiah. What a, what a, uh, a wonderful person that he was and what an example uh, for us today. Our prayer, Lord, is that each of us would look at our life and, uh, like him, say, what's the thing that shows the most reverence for God? In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.